Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fourth and Manageable, an SEC football podcast. Brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. And that takes us to the Tennessee Vols, who had another game uh, that was played between ranked teams today. Tennessee going up against Pitt uh, on the road. Uh, and, and Pittsburgh was a team that went into Knoxville and, and beat the Vols last year. So this was a, a, a big game. For Tennessee after what had happened a year ago and especially with the the stage of you know ranked versus ranked uh, Tennessee's game in in some ways was very similar to Alabama's in that they injured the opponent's starting quarterback and then the backup quarterback got injured and is out there hobbling around and yet through all of that the game came down to the wire and at the same time it feels very different because for Alabama, it just felt like sigh of relief. They survived because the expectations for Alabama are so much higher for Tennessee. This you could tell from, from Josh Heupel after the game, this was a huge win for the team. And and look, and and Tyler, I don't want to diminish the fact that this was a road game against a team that was ranked number 17 you know, some of it, sometimes and I'm, I'm including myself in this category. We look at the point spread and we see Tennessee was almost a touchdown favorite. And we think, okay, they're supposed to win this game. And then you see, okay, injured quarterback, whatever. Tennessee's definitely supposed to win this game. Um, but I, I don't think Tennessee kind of took anything for granted. This, they were very excited after winning this game. Yeah, I think Heupel's, uh, you know, trying to build a program to, you know, what it once was. And so victories like this, you know, not only help with the team you have now, but recruiting. Recruiting is a, a big thing. And so when you beat ranked opponents and go into their place and beat them, it helps with that too and helps you bring in, you know, new set of guys to, you know, release next year. And so I just, I think they did a great job at finishing the game when they needed to. It wasn't, you know, the prettiest. I think they, you know, need to get some, the run game going. But when they needed it, like needed to finish it, they, you know, put the nail in the coffin. What do you think Tennessee did well in this game? I, it, you know, I, it, I think it stretches, especially in the first half. Um, they they looked really good in the passing game, especially deep balls, even some that they didn't connect on. Look, they really had Pitt's defense off balance. What what did what did you see in that area or any other area where where, you know, Overall, you were impressed with what Tennessee did. Well, Tennessee's not only got a good quarterback, but they got three good receivers as well. 
And so when you have guys like that and you can spread the ball out, it's hard for a defense to just key one one receiver and try to shut him down. So they spread the ball out. Uh, they need to start doing, I think, more up-tempo. When, they, uh, when they're when they running their up-tempo offense, I mean, they're moving the ball, running and passing. And so I think they need to spend a little more time in that, and I think they'll be fine. So what happened in the, in the second half? Um, the, the game just – it felt like it should have never gone to overtime um, that Tennessee had plenty of chances to put it away and they never did. I know there was a block punt. There was a muff punt return. They gave Pitt some, some short fields off of those. Um, but, but what area would you say that they need to improve in? And if they're going to get better and, and in the future, not allow a team that probably shouldn't have hung around to, to be able to hang around the way that Pitt did and have a chance at the end. Uh, I just think it's keeping your, your foot on the gas. It kind of seemed like they let up a little bit with play calling, weren't as attacking. We're almost in a like a clock management style offense. And so I think they just need to keep their foot on the gas. I mean, do what your offense was built to do, and that's up-tempo, get to the line of scrimmage. They're, I mean, they lead the FBS and time in between snaps. And so, I mean, use that to your advantage. Yeah, and Pitt was um, was banged up on the defensive line and had a couple of guys go out in the first half. And you kind of felt like when that happened, all right, this is playing right into Tennessee's hands. With the up-tempo, you know, you're, you're looking at a team that's already thin up front and they should be able to just get everything going. And you're right, it was, you know, whether it was the play calling or whatever, um, they just, they didn't go for the jugular, it felt like. You know, that they had that opportunity they let Pitt hang around, and of course, uh, you know Pitt uh, made a few plays, sent it to overtime, uh, and then Tennessee ends up winning it uh, with a touchdown in that first overtime period. I want to ask you about that one because it, it was a it was a ball that was thrown to a receiver who was covered, and I know there are a lot of quarterbacks that wouldn't throw that ball, um, but I think in this case, Hendon Hooker sees all right. I've got a receiver who's bigger than the DB. The DB's back is turned. Uh, what what is what is your mindset as a quarterback when you're analyzing the field, and how much of it is is the ability to not just see the proximity of the DB to your receiver, but to actually see the way that his his head is is facing or where to what direction he's facing as to you know how risky of a throw. It, it would end up being it feels like it's it's a it's a calculated risk but it's a high percentage play right yeah uh he has a bigger bigger receiver than the db that's one and i don't think he threw the ball quite where he wanted to throw i think he wanted to throw it a little more towards the middle of the field because uh it was almost like a post route and but when you have a bigger receiver on a small db you just give him a chance you don't want to overthrow him if anything you want to underthrow him so he has time to you know make adjustments and come back but he just gave him a you know a jump ball, and when a receiver has a smaller DB on his back, it's tough for that guy to go over the top and try to make a play. And so it's just like a, a box out in the end zone for a touchdown. Yes, a big win for Tennessee, like we said, even though you know it felt like they survived. Uh, one other team in the SEC, one other ranked team in the SEC, would have loved to have been able to say that they survived on Saturday, and, and that was Texas A&M. This one, Tyler, I did not see coming. Uh, App State beats AM 17 14. 
And it really wasn't that close. And that was the crazy thing about this game is if you look at the stats, it was it was far more lopsided. Uh, A&M, for those who didn't see it, had a, a kickoff return touchdown as, as one of its two scores. And, uh, and you know, that, that also uh, impacted the number of, of, of drives that A&M had offensively. They had 38 offensive plays. I, I, I don't know that I have ever seen a team as highly ranked as A&M uh, especially in you know in this modern era where most people are going up tempo and without huddles and all that, thirty eight offensive plays and and let's remember, App State just just set the stage for 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 people who who maybe missed this last week. Appalachian State, if you don't know, is in the state of North Carolina. Last week they had the opportunity to host the University of North Carolina, so an in state team in the ACC came to their stadium. They're a Sunbelt team. One of those games that you've been looking forward to for years to get that chance. They played them to the wire. App State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter, but came up just short, one yard short on a two-point conversion to tie, lost 63-61. I mean, you couldn't have been more physically and emotionally spent after a game than App State was. Um and then they've got to turn around and travel halfway across the country to play a road game against a top 10 team. And then they dominated. This is there, There's no way around this just being an embarrassing loss for Texas A&M in every sense of it. Yeah, most co- coaches would say that's grit. <laughs> definition it's of what? grit. The definition of grit. Oh, grit, yes. And, uh, I mean, they – fought hard last week against North Carolina and then <laughs> carried that right into Texas A&M and Texas A&M struggled the last two weeks. I mean, they won last week, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a pretty win. It wasn't what you would normally think of a, you know, six ranked in the country type win. And they come in today and just kind of carried it over and Appalachian state took full advantage of it. I want to I want to look at some of the stats here because as I just mentioned, Appalachian State gave up 63 points last week to North Carolina, and Texas A&M had nine first downs. Not they had 186 yards of total offense, as you know, as I alluded to, because of the special teams touchdown. Their offense only scored seven points. It's just insane when you look at it and you think that you know, this team is, is ranked in the top 10, or at least was ranked. And they might fall all the way out of the top 25 after this performance. Um, what, what do you, what do you make of A&M's offensive struggles? I mean, look, the defense gave up some third downs, right? Like they had chances to get off the field and didn't, but you have to hang this loss on the A&M offense. And as you mentioned, even last week, especially in the first half, they didn't look great. Um, what what do you see and and may I ask you this another way? Is there anything about the AM offense that you like after watching them through two games? Um, I can't say I really like anything about their offense. I think it uh I think it starts with their QB, uh Haynes King. I think he he's not the guy. He doesn't, you know, fit what they're trying to do there. I don't think he can throw the ball like they want to. I think they need to give the backup a chance because he he hasn't played well the first two weeks. 
It's not like he's, you know, giving you any any extra with his legs to make up for the lack of passing. And so I think you need to give someone else a shot. And I think they need to start running the ball. I mean, their running back's not bad. I mean, he had a you know good year last year. And then all of a sudden it's just like, hey, let's, you know, we're not gonna give him the ball. Yeah, I mean, so some of it's on the offensive line. Like you said, a lot of it's on the quarterback, but it's like one of those, it just seems like there's this blame all around. And one of the things I come back to with AM, and, and I, I've been on this soapbox for years, is, is that when AM hired Jimbo Fisher, and by the way, this is year five for Jimbo at AM. And remember when he first signed, when he came over from Florida State, that huge contract, um, a lot of people felt like in order to justify that money, he needed to you know, at least win the SEC West, if not make it to the playoff, contend for the national title, et cetera. They felt like when they hired Jimbo that they they weren't just getting one of the few active coaches in college football who had won a national championship, but they were getting one of the best offensive minds in the game. And, and a guy who who had produced three first-round quarterbacks when he was at Florida State. And, and yet you look at, you know, how just how little Kellen Mond progressed under Jimbo Fisher. You look at what their offense was last year for most of the time. After Haynes King was injured very early in the season, Zach Calzada finished it up. And now you look at two games uh, the next year with Haynes King, and you just, you're not getting anything out of the quarterbacks. And that's, that's really where they felt Jimbo was going to make the biggest difference. And I just, I mean, from the, starting from the head coach, I, I, I just think there's a big disconnect. And, you know, I, I think he's as much to blame as anybody else because this was supposed to be what you could count on him to do, which was to be able to put together good offenses. Yeah, I think they're having a, <laughs> a coming to Jesus moment with the uh, QB situation. I think it's time they, you know, need to move on. Uh, through the first two weeks, it hasn't worked out. I think uh, your first start with your offense is with the QB, and then you need to look at the O-line. Because, I mean, if your O-line isn't moving, I mean, you're going to struggle all day. And as most coaches would say, you know, offense starts with the O-line, and if you don't have a good O-line, you can't move the ball. You mentioned earlier uh, with your your answer about Tennessee, just the importance of winning certain games um, as far as recruiting and, you know, building that program momentum. Texas A&M is coming off of what most people rated as the number one class in the nation um, this this past, you know, December and then February. And, you know, you, you don't see it. I mean, look, it's only two games in, but you don't see a big talent difference on the field. Not that you would expect true freshmen to have an immediate impact. But the bigger point is if you're in the same conference with, with, Alabama and Georgia, the way that they recruit, you can't catch them with one great recruiting class. You've got to keep stringing them together. And when you go out and you lose four conference games like AM did last year, you lose a game like this out of conference, and who knows what's to come as we get deeper into the season, you can't sustain that type of recruiting if there aren't results on the field. Yeah, some would say they have the best recruiting class money could buy. And so I think, uh, yeah, one good year is not going to do it. I mean, it takes time. It takes, you know, three years to, you know, get the guys in there, 
get them learning the system because I mean, jumping from high school to college is a huge jump. I mean, a lot of high school plays are one to two words. If that, I mean, it's not very difficult to learn a high school playbook and you go to college and you're having to worry about so much more. And it's it's tough for a lot of these guys. And I think, you know, the other schools in the SEC do a good job at, you know, finding those guys that they can mold into the players they want them to be in two to three years. And I just I don't think Texas A&M's done that. And so on a day when Alabama looked incredibly vulnerable, winning by one point at Texas, you know, just down the road in College Station, you get a result that makes you question, well, is Alabama really that vulnerable? Because who's going to beat them in the SEC West? If this is what A&M is, all right, we, we, we saw last week what LSU was against Florida State. And, and look, there, there's, there's still other schools out there that haven't dropped a game yet. Um, but, but yeah, if you were hoping that A&M was going to be the team that was going to rise up and, and end Alabama's reign in the SEC West, not going to happen this year. It sure doesn't look like it. <laughs> no, it does not.